So last week I promised that this week we would talk about ways to be with the breath when the breath itself might be triggering. Really felt like I wanted to expand that um, to ways to be with ourselves in practice when it's just hard to be with our own selves. Uh, I heard one person recently describe our world state as a global high intensity activation state, meaning that the baseline of all of our nervous systems triggering is higher um, in this activated way. There's no surprise with this. I can certainly feel it. And I imagine, assume that most of y'all, um, um, that most people have an awareness and a feeling of it um, at some level or another. And that is why grounding and compassion practices are just so fundamental and important right now. So I want to go back over just basic practices again. Um, we need to hear these over and over, come back to this kind of home starting place of practice again and again. I didn't get as far with it last night as I thought I would, so I probably won't this morning either. So we'll probably have a part two next week. Um, to start, considering this question of how do we take care of ourselves well when we are in the midst of high activation? The first step, um, if you've done this practice for a while, you, you get the challenge of this. Um, if you haven't, <laughs> it might sound like, um, well, duh. <laughs> um, the first step is just to wake up to the fact that we are triggered. It's so bizarrely easy to slip into an autopilot mode, which is by definition a level of reactivity um, in our day and not even catch that we've done this. Um, I had a perfect example last night when I signed on for the uh, community group last night. Um, you know, I thought I was being mindful. I thought I was preparing for the group. I thought I like say, okay, I'm here, I'm doing what I need to do. And I signed on to YouTube and I sat there and there was just me and there was like no one else. I'm like, I have a group of people on Tuesday. Where are they? <laughs> Finally, suddenly dawned on me. Oh, they're all over in the Zoom room where I'm supposed to be instead of on YouTube where I think I, where I actually am. <laughs> And it was just, you know, it just was clearly, you know, some sort of autopilot that I really wasn't even aware of. That as I thought I was even being mindful, I was just kind of going through the motions, pull up YouTube, and, and it wasn't even the right place. So it's, it's incredible how sneaky, how stealth that not being awake and aware um, to what's going on. And sometimes it can be, you know, just, just kind of like that. It was a sort of benign forgetfulness. And sometimes the autopilot is much harder um, and we're still not getting it, still not getting that that is reactivity as opposed to 
a truth about the way things are. Um, so an example I want to share for that one was when I very first started my practice years ago and somebody would say, pay attention to the breath. I couldn't do it much at first without getting hit with waves of claustrophobia or some sort of low degree panic. Um, the autopilot for me was not just this contraction. Somebody would say, pay attention to the breath and I would go, <gasps> pay attention to contracting up. The autopilot was not just the contraction, it was the story that went along with the contraction. And the story was, there's just something wrong with me. I either have to push through this and just make this happen, or give up on meditation and admit that I'm a failure at it. Uh, and I and, you know, just to be um, transparent, I hated meditation at first. Can you wonder why? <laughs> you know? that, was, that was where I started with this sense of this hurts, this doesn't feel good, and I got to push through it because something's wrong with me if I don't or I'm a failure. And that was, that was my, um, my baseline autopilot reactivity for beginning the practice. Fortunately, I had a very wise teacher very early in my practice who one day asked, is anyone having a hard time with the breath? Never dawned on me that other people might have a hard time with the breath too, that there might be some other way of approaching this. Her, her um, um, suggestion to me, which was so useful, was to put my hand on my pulse and feel my heartbeat instead. And so for a long time, I meditated like this, and I felt my pulse until I found my way into my breath. And my breath is now um, really my prime anchor. But without her question, I would not have questioned, I may never have questioned the assumption of the autopilot that meditation, you either push harder or you fail. And I likely would have given up on meditation, which for me would have been very, very, very sad for my life. So a first step is learning to get clear as that compassionate witness to what's actually present in this moment now. And not just um, um, what's happening, but what's the storyline that I'm carrying with what's happening? What element of, of autopilot blaming, shaming, judgment um, is, is going on along with this challenge? And this is called tracking. Um, uh, tracking is when we learn to shift away from some story about the moment, either the moment um, uh, what's of uh, something's just wrong with me or the moment of I got to do, I got to do, I got to do, you know, I'm busy, I got to push, I got to strive, you know, all of those, all of those stories about what we think the moment is. We learn to shift away from that story and instead come to a compassionate willingness to know what's actually present in this, in this moment, happening inside of us in this moment right now. The basic place that we are tracking 
is a um, contraction or an opening. It really can all come down to one a movement in one or the other of those directions. And, you know, we start getting really complex. We, we might be contracted around our shoulders, but we notice that our feet are really open and soft. Um, so it's not all one or the other, um, but, but, but tracking that basic contraction versus expansion in our bodies is really important. And it's very important to develop a sense of tracking both sides. Um, we so often notice what's wrong and it's called our negativity bias is part of what's wired into our brain. There's nothing wrong with us for doing this. That's the survival instinct, but we have to pay attention to how much easier it is to track what's hard than it is to open the awareness to what's also okay. So we're really looking at both sides. So in the, track, in the tracking, we start getting used to what are some of our patterns, and that's really helpful. For me, um, a helpful place to, to track are my shoulders, you know, like am I tensing in my shoulders? If I'm really getting tense, there's this spot right between my eyebrows that starts to um, um, tighten up. I used to call it, <laughs> used to call it my, my red hot spot of anger, and it was right there. And it's a whole lot better now. So I know that if that's tightening up again, then I really need to um, take care. Another place that tracking for me is very, very, very useful is tracking my posture. I can't tell you how often during the day, if I catch myself and on sort of autopilot moment, there's a, a kind of collapse in my posture. And there's something that's very strengthening and useful for me about just coming back to a strong vertical axis that opens up my heart space and allows me to feel that rooting, rooting downward, lifting skyward. Um, so tracking posture um, has for me definitely been very helpful. When we track sensations in the body, we do this um, at a very specific granular level. And oftentimes we actually have to develop a vocabulary. Um, one of my early teachers used to say, we are an emotionally illiterate society. Ooh, yes. Um, I would also say we are a bodily illiterate society. We don't know, we're just so alienated and disconnected from our bodies. We don't even have the vocabulary often to describe what we're meaning in the sensations in the body. Uh, so there are actually lists out there that help us get um, um, a greater literacy with being able to read what's present in the body. Um, one list that I found yesterday that I really liked and probably going to share someplace um, talked about um, sensations of um, um, dis-ease, unease, um, such as tightness, clenched, shaky, throbbing, queasy, trembly, burning, radiating, frozen, or blocked, um, or numb. Um, so... Um, 
learning learning the words for it actually helps us develop that compassionate witness for um, what's here. Expansive side, <laughs> you know, even the lists are always first the negative. <laughs> um, the expansive side, you know, maybe words like ease, calm, spaciousness, warmth, coolness, streaming, light, releasing, flow, fluid. So all of these kinds of descriptions really help us wake up our tracking ability, help bring us back into the movement of aliveness in this body. And I'm just going to say one thing before I go any further. This is hard work. If we're carrying a lot of stuff in our bodies, we're not supposed to do this sitting at home by ourselves. Um, we really need the support of others to help us with this. A good therapist, um, uh, a friend, um, a loved one that can really listen. But just notice if there's some assumption of, oh, I just got to figure out how to do this all on my own. I know. Um, the harder it is, the more we are meant to do this in uh, communion with supportive other um, person. That's what our nervous systems are designed for. And the more we learn this moment by moment with ourselves, the more useful um, those, those other supports can become for us. Another place that um, um, tracking is very useful is in our voice. I may not be getting that I'm stressed in a conversation, but suddenly I can get my voice, my tone, all of that. Suddenly I can get that I'm kind of leaned in, I'm a little hunched, my voice is a little pressured, there's kind of a tone, a charge, my, my pitch tends to go a little bit higher when I'm stressed. Um, um, and I kind of like get this thing going on. And it's really helpful to, to understand that's what I do when I'm stressed with speech. Um, and that helps me reground, recenter. Um, to be with myself and, and the other, um, whoever it is, um, back in a way that I want to be, um, um, regrounded with that. The word tracking is typically used for body sensations. Uh, I actually like to think of it also with tracking my thoughts. I really like this term of tracking. It helps me take that step back, um, that compassion. And compassion is hand in hand always with tracking. We're never tracking from a neutral, dispassionate place. We're always tracking from a place of heart care. So, so this word tracking kind of helps me develop that compassionate um, witness that can watch the flow of my own thinking. Um, I can track uh, tension in my thought patterns and start to notice how there's some very familiar old habit rut thought patterns fall into again and again. Um, one pattern might be a sort of pressurized whirlpool that sort of endlessly is repeating itself over and over. 
uh, or um, I might track um, uh, either really loud shaming or blaming judgment voices. I tend not to have the really loud ones as much anymore, but it's amazing. There's still all these subtle layers that tracking helps me uncover and find. Um, beating up on ourselves never brings us into good alignment with heart space. Uh, we often do it because we think that's what's going to make us better. But if we think from the place of the heart, um, that best friend that's really useful is they may say strong words to us, but they may, but they are saying that from goodwill, compassion, and, and heart not from you are bad, you are wrong, you're just a failure, you're all of those things. So notice how in the same way that that strong good friend that absolutely believes in you makes you stronger, we need to learn how to be that for ourselves. Tracking what kind of fault patterns we tend to fall into is very useful for this. Then the last thing I want to say, I've said this already, but I'm going to say it again because it's so important. Typically what we track first are the unpleasant. Typically what's foremost on our mind is what we don't like, what doesn't feel good, what's challenging, what's hard. And all of that can be that at a sort of consuming level. So we need to, um, be skillful, intentional, strong-hearted in our willingness to track the good, to track what's useful, to track what's helpful, um, um, to track when we're getting caught in a small, tight story that needs some opening and expansion, you know, to see that the tree and the, uh, the, the life of the tree and the life of this body actually share an interbeing and like to remember that, that larger view of wholeness. We need to track it right in our bodies. Um, it's been so useful for me to notice when I get caught in an anxiety storm, it tends to be right here in my heart space. And in being curious about this and following this, I have never yet felt that storm extend all the way to my toes. My toes are, are, so far, have always been free of it. They're just living like a tree. You know, the tree has this essence of life. My toes have this natural essence of life. Uh, where might that be for you? Maybe it's the bottoms of the feet. I know a lot of people, the tip of the nose tends to be a um, sort of neutral, um, or even maybe pleasant um, spot. We need to know where these havens are in our body and then strengthen them so that we can use them as support for ourselves when some storm is wanting to knock us off our feet. So I'm gonna stop there and next week we'll continue this and really look at a lot more of the role of compassion and um, specific grounding practices. 
Um, I had one person last night, you know, some of the specific ones are the same old ones, but they are so useful. Someone shared last night how helpful for her 478 breathing was. Um, and in the midst of a difficulty she was experiencing yesterday. So for this week, I really encourage you to get curious about strengthening that instrument of tracking with compassionate curiosity and care in your body. And maybe what's one simple grounding practice that when you track, then you can practice with it. Four, seven, eight breathing, feeling the feet on the floor, three deep breaths, um, whatever it is that's useful for you. So let's pause right now and just take a moment to sit. I invite you to track what's going on in your own body, mind, and heart in this moment without judgment. Or if there is judgment, can you track that too without judgment? If there was something that you heard this morning that was useful for you, let yourself know that. And set some sort of intention to how you strengthen and practice with that for you. Whatever was not useful, how do you just let it go? Thank you.